Welcome to Nugcast. I'm Grant Bruner. Today we're talking about Dragon Age 2, and with me is uh, the wonderful cast of the Weekly Roar. Rob Webster, how you doing? I'm not bad. How are you doing, Grant? I'm fantastic. And also with us is Laughlin. How you doing, Laughlin? I'm great. Thank you. Fantastic. Let's talk about Dragon Age. How's that sound? That sounds right up my alley, Grant. So we're talking about Dragon Age 2 specifically because Rob, I should say, has a problematic relationship with Dragon Age Origins and uh, and has not finished it. But I definitely want to start off Nugcast uh, with kind of the regulars, uh, the people who uh, have made the quadcast what it was and, uh, and have continued to uh, help change the face of the Weekly Roar. Uh, first off, Let's talk about your quote-unquote canon hawk, um, the gender, the, the personality, the, the class you played. And uh, we'll start off with you, Rob. Tell me a little bit about your, your canon hawk in Dragon Age 2. Meet Ivy Hawk. She is uh, she's a female red-headed rogue. Um, she's she basically the principles that I generally stuck to um, were that she was just fundamentally good and sort of accepting of all types of people, but she was very impatient with the authority which is also most of the people that you come across in Dragon Age too. So very much, very much out for the for the little people and for the people who are being trodden on and very much against and very acidly against um, the people who are controlling them and depressing them. Um, so I, I would say a philosopher good is certainly to an extent um, an author avatar, as I think your first your first approach has to be kind of injecting yourself into the story as much as possible and that that was very much what i attempted to do that's fair do you did you go back and have uh, a different character or like a kind of a different viewpoint of dragon age or is this the only time you've ever played through dragon age 2 um it's the only time I've played through all the way I've, I've got a couple of other characters who i've fiddled about with a little bit um i have got a mage because i saw my brother playing as a mage and thought that looks like great fun um, who I've been a bit less, I think have probably been a bit more impulsive and uh, a bit more hot-headed with, because it's sort of contrary, you kind of assume a mage to be relatively sanguine and controlled, so I liked the idea of uh, being a bit more abrupt, um, even more abrupt <laughs> than, my, than my previous character. But yeah, it's, it's mostly, most of my experience of Dragon Age 2 has been with my original hawk. In Dragon Age 2, there's a split between the humorous hawk like a pleasant, uh, easygoing hawk, or, or, or like positive good guy hawk, and then there's like kind of the angry aggro asshole hawk. Regardless of your intentions, which path did you kind of go down? Mostly the sarcastic hawk, mostly the jokey hawk, who is not taking anything too seriously and not taking, not not losing any sleep necessarily over um, the more minor day to day decisions that she made. Um, taking it all in a stride, but I, I would say probably, ultimately, more often the positive, the blue option, than the red option, um, because most of the time I'm spending time with people I enjoyed being with, my companions, my my trusted roster of friends, but every now and then uh, throwing in the reds, and I wasn't afraid of the reds, so I didn't fear it. And what about you, Laughlin? Describe your your kind of your canon hawk. Yeah, my canon hawk ended up being the one with a joke name. What's what's the name? It's String Fellow. I'm not sure if you have, uh, you guys have, yeah watched a show that was called called Airwolf, and the, the main character, the, yeah, the main character there was called String Stringfellow Hawk. So yeah, <laughs> that's what happened. It had awesome music though. Yeah, she, she's she's mostly a. Uh, Sarcastic little smartest. Okay, so um, so you're very much you're very much a sarcastic hawk. 
uh, at the start anyway when I was playing her, uh, but then it tur turns out I, I kind of drifted more into the uh, the, the diplomatic uh, kind uh, as, the, as the time went on. And then what class did you play? Come on, a mage, obviously. But because you're a mage, you have the very, very unfortunate uh, aspect in that you now you now have to deal with Carver. Ah, uh, yeah, well, that's that's true. But likely not for long. Rob, uh, you have Anders, you have Aveline, Bethany, Carver, Fenris, Isabella, Men uh, Meryl, uh, Varric, and then if you have the DLC, there's Sebastian as well. Let's go down these each 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 one uh, relatively quickly, and I talk about what your relationship was like them throughout most of the game. So we'll start with Anders. Was he kind of your friend, your rival? Did you support him? Um, he he was my friend. I would say of all the companions, he was the one who I sided with in most things. Um, but I also had him doing all the healing because he's very useful in battle as well. Um, so he rarely left the party, so um, it sort of felt a little bit over-centralized. By the end, it was a begrudging friendship, because I thought, ah, oh, he's following me around constantly. But um, I, I tended to engage with... It's also because I agreed with him most of the time. Um, I didn't feel that I learned that much from being him around. He mostly just echoed myself back at me. Um, so it was... I've, I liked him as, as sort of as a friendly character, but I didn't feel like he was one of the more interesting characters in the game for me. And so you you never played Awakening, right? Correct. So he is a character that was originally introduced in Awakening. And the, I know, I would say that you're probably better off having having met him in Dragon Age 2 um first because he's he I would say in Awakening he's a much more lighter character. He is he is he was not joined to Justice yet. So ju in in Awakening Justice and and Anders are two separate companions. And then by the time Dragon Age 2 comes around, they the two had merged into a single entity. So Anders in the, in Awakening is very much like a, a, a light, like he's, you know, he's constantly escaping from, from the circle, but he's a very lighthearted character, um, very silly in, in very many ways. Um, so people kind of, Many people liked that interpretation of him, and then when he actually has to deal with justice, and then is, you know, kind of deeply bothered at all times about the the whole the whole mage issue, and then being driven by justice, um, he's he became a much more a much more difficult to like character because he kept doing crazy bullshit that him without justice probably would never have done. Um, but I mean, like at that point. People then say, like, oh, man, I hate what they did to Anders. But it isn't even what they did to Anders. It's not, it's not like the characterization changed. It's like, it's for all intents and purposes, they created a new character with the attributes of Justice and Anders. It's not It's not just all Anders at that point. Um, did what, How did you feel about that? Like, Did it make sense having not played Awakenings? Did the Justice being imbued into the, whatever, the soul of Anders, did that make sense? Yeah, cool. Man's got a devil. Cracking. Move on. Get on with the game. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, and then what about you? What about you, Laughlin? What was your relationship like with Anders? I liked him. I even romanced him in one of my playthroughs. But not your canon. Not your canon, huh? No, no, no. no. Shit. He blew up the chantry. Yeah, it's. If you're a mage supporter in Dragon Age Two, Anders is pretty cool with you. Like he's like, all right, sure, yeah. And then at the point where he completely fucks shit up. 
Like that's a hard that's a hard position to be in. In in my playthrough, I certainly did not agree with him. You know, whatever shamed him and said no, no, you bet you bad old Anders. But at the same time, I didn't. I did not kill him. So did did you end up did you end up killing him uh, as, as kind of retribution, Lawson? No, of course not. And what about you, Rob? Did, what? How did you deal with him after he blew up the the uh, the chantry, Rob? Um, I just sat, sat him on the naughty step for a few minutes and he very quickly cooled down. Yes, you're very bad. <laughs> you whacked him on the nose with rolled up newspaper. Yeah, I, I did. I, I showed him some of his own poo. So <laughs> I'm glad we set the tone for Nugcast very, very early. Now, it's, I suppose, I I understood why he did it, even if I didn't agree that he should have done it. I yeah. sort of thought, wow, you know what? You have genuinely been oppressing these people for fucking ages. Why, why, why has this not happened? So something like this was bound to happen, and it was kind of it was building for you know years, for hundreds of years, and and with Anders, you know, he, like he kind of pulled the trigger, even though, like even though he's he's the one, you know, he slash justice or whatever. Um, they they pulled the trigger, but that had been building like that specific that 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 kind of like building up with mage templar and like well and they're not even mage templar because templars are kind of just the tool but like the mages versus the chantry that stuff has been has been building and if if anders had not done something like that that it would have blown its top anyway sometime later yeah Yeah, but maybe maybe not specifically you know in kirkwall yeah, I mean, like, Kirkwall is also a shit show, so I'm sure something else terrible would have happened in, in Kirkwall as well. So, like, even though all this stuff, like, it's bad, and, and Anders certainly should not have blown up the Chantry, but that kind of stuff was inevitable, in, the, in that, like, the Orsino and Meredith stuff, like, that shit would have blown up somehow. Something would have happened to make that blow up. Not that literally blow up, but, like, the fight would have happened bad things would have happened in Kirkwall regardless because because shit was so fucked in general. Yeah, but um, what I really hated about what, what he pulled is making me a tool for blowing his shit up because, oh, we have to get this, you know, to uh, unspecify help someone or something, and I, I got him all the materials to basically blow it up and he didn't even fucking trust me and this, this is especially uh, the, the reason I've only romanced him once because they, they <laughs> can't fucking trust me I was so angry I only romanced him once Look, I, 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 could, I could only fuck him a little bit I couldn't I couldn't go through it with him <laughs> multiple times uh, no it, no I mean no I just in just one playthrough and yeah. and it it was the, it was my fa- first playthrough actually, and I decided that nah, no not not again not again. But uh, as as a whole, I actually uh, enjoyed his uh, character uh, development from uh, Awakening. Because uh, yeah, well maybe well it 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 was like uh, um, a DLC. Well, it wasn't DLC really. It was like a separate campaign. But um, it, it could actually see them getting uh, along, uh, Justice uh, and uh, Anders. And uh, it, it kind of made sense for me that they end up, you know, together. Anders is a... 
he was a very uppity mage and even if it wasn't justice i feel like he would he is a prime candidate for some sort of demon or or whatever some spirit from from the fade inhabiting anders like if it wasn't justice it probably would have been something else yeah probably mostly because of how pig-headed he can be sometimes but it, it was played for fun in Awakening, and uh, it was played for drama in uh, Dragon Age 2. But I absolutely love the fact that he mentions Sir Pouncelot that you gave him in Awakening. Are you even aware of Sir Pouncelot, Rob? The cat, the myth, the legend. No, no I'm not. Uh, yes, he, yeah, he... you can give uh, you can give him uh, Sir Pouncelot in mm-hmm. Awakening. It, it's literally an, an inventory item. Yeah, a little kitty. I'm sure I've heard the name. I'm sure he mentions it in Dragon Age. Yeah. But, but it doesn't. It wouldn't mean anything to you, obviously. No. Yeah, but yeah. He, he mentioned it when you first meet him and want him to uh, to give up the uh, Grey Wardens maps, and he says that he's not with the Grey Wardens anymore, and they they are assholes because they made him get rid of rid of uh, of his cat, Sir Pouncelot. Uh, so Rob. What what was your what was your relationship like with Aveline? Aveline, um, I quite liked Aveline. Um, I thought she was a bit old fashioned and a bit too trusting of the authority. I would I would prefer a bit of skepticism. She was very much the voice of the Templars and the authority and that kind of that kind of sphere. Um, but I thought there was a good heart in there and thought she was a decent person and very useful in combat. I again mostly kept her with me because she was a damage sponge. <laughs> but I, I was I was pleased to have her with me because she was. She provided a different perspective and one that I hadn't considered and was still fundamentally a good person despite some prejudices, I thought. The marriage arc. Did you did you get her married? Oh no, I didn't marry her off, no. <gasps> oh, you monster. I let, I let her die alone. You're a monster. Oh no, you should, you should try it just just for the for the friend fiction bit. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh- yeah, well, I will mention this when we will be talking about Isabella. So yes, um, yeah. and then Lothlin, what, what what about you? How, what were your feelings? What was your relationship like with Aveline? I absolutely loved Aveline as a character. She, she was uh, a bit of she had stick up her ass most of the time, but but I, I found that fun. She she was so repressed and so uh, <laughs> frustrating at times, but uh, I I enjoyed that. Uh, I, I think it suited her character, and she—I think she was awesome, and she was also the the best tank ever. So, obviously, always with me. Both of you kept Aveline with you uh, most of the time in combat. I, on the other hand, um, really preferred to keep Fenris around, even though I, you know I think Fenris is a complete tool. Um, I think. Oh come on! I liked him. I liked using him in combat specifically because I kind of prefer my warriors to be two-handed. Uh, I prefer them. It, I feel like so. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I I have not done any sort of number crunching as far as what is the most like what is the most optimal build for blah blah blah. Fuck all that noise. I'm not that crazy. But what I am saying is that I feel like they're more effective at killing dudes. Yeah, but Fenris is a very awesome damage dealer, and Aveline is a tank. 
Sure. And if you build her correctly, she she draws all the aggro and she doesn't even flinch. So so that's that's great. And I also like to pair her up with uh, Fenris, and that they, they just completely wipe the floor with the enemies together. I guess what uh, the, my, my, my kind of my core flaw as an RPG player is that I like to spec everyone. Just how do I make it do the most damage all the time? Is that I'm like, I'm not interested in their, all the other things that they can do. I'm like, how do I make the numbers where they smack people in the face with their sword? How do I make that go up? And that's kind of, so I, I, whatever. And that fucks me over sometimes because sometimes you need stealth. Sometimes you need strategy and all that stuff. And that's sure. But when it comes down to, I have to make decisions on how to spec people. I have to make decisions about who to use and, and what, what weapons to use. I almost always go, how can I deal more damage and kill them before I need, before I need to use strategy? How can I just decimate them completely? Yeah. But, uh, in Dragon Age 2 is, it's not really that important, but, uh, well, my, uh, I'm used to playing MMOs where those roles are clearly defined and very much needed. So I'm used to, you know, picking teammates, a healer, and that's usually Anders or myself, biggest mage, and uh, always a tank, and that was usually Aveline for me. So I, I almost always keep a, a healing mage around. I know some people don't like to use that. Don't don't even bother with healing mages. I also have found that some people like he, like having a healer, but they hate Anders so much that they use mods to to re to basically add the healing tree uh, uh, tech tree onto Meryl so they can use her as a healer instead. Uh, that's a nice solution. So, Rob, you only dealt with Carver for a short period of time because of the class you, you chose. So, he's a dick. Yes, he's a he's a monster. Um, what what was your what was your relationship like for the brief 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 period you had with Carver? I didn't even notice he was my brother. <laughs> he was just some dude. Yeah, just oh NPC. Hello. Oh, great. He's dead. That's sad. Oh, is that, that's my <laughs> Oh, cool. We were related. Ah, oh, sus, mate. But Lothlin, you had you had to keep Carver around uh, for a much longer time, unfortunately, yeah. because, because you you went as a mage. Uh, what was your relationship like with Carver? Uh, not very good. <laughs> Bad, one might say. Yeah, Carver is a whiny, petulant child who needs your approval, even though he considers himself your rival. And he's very much a little prick. And you need to stroke his ego all the time. And even if you do, you get rivalry points. That is visually impossible for you to be his friend. Because he hates you. And he's jealous of you. I uh, modded my game so that he would be my friend. I had 100% friendship with him. And he was still a dick to me. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah, it's it's. I think they didn't even consider you trying to be his friend because all his, all his uh, um, lines are the same, no matter if you are a friend or a rival. Right. I mean, well, at the, at the very least, they have the same tone. Yeah, but he he is a great big bag of dicks. So that, that that's kind of the core problem is that he. So he is a very much. He's very much pro-Templar, anti-mage, even like it's a bit of a weird thing where he cares about his family and he his family's fooled with fucking mages. 
Um, his father was a mage. Um, at, le- at least Bethany is a mage, but also Hawk might be a mage as well. So he obviously is exposed to the mages and, and like has like g- has genuine affection for them. But he is still, but simultaneously, he is also of the opinion that mages need to be controlled, um, and that Templars should do what Templars do, and that is that enough is enough to make me dislike him as a character. I have a theory that Bethany set his hair on fire when they were kids. Sure, I buy and it. That, that's why he's, he doesn't like mages and thinks they should be controlled. Sure. <laughs> it's, that explanation is as good as any other. But so they, that alone is is enough for me to dislike him, kind of dislike his philosophy. But on top of that, all the things that Laughlin said are are completely true. In that he's he's petulant, he's he's like hyper competitive with you um, all the time, and is constantly trying to outdo you, one up you um, in everything you do. He's he is insufferable in as about as many ways as a character can be insufferable, and obviously like that's kind of the point. They want a counterpoint to a mage. They want like they want con- they wanted to build a character with inherent conflict, and that's fine. That works. Um, but at the same time, it makes me not want to talk to him ever. It makes me want to not deal with Carver. Yeah, and that's a problem because he's super high maintenance. For for a lot of players, they they've had that experience within their family. With they'll they'll have family members who don't approve of what they might consider a life choice or something. Um, being both hostile and loving, and the way they reconcile that, and it's something that's not often discussed or implemented in games. So I think it's interesting as a concept, um, but I don't think he's any fun to uh, play along with. No, he, he's a good fighter, though. Sure. But dealing with him sucks. Rob, so because because you went as a rogue as your main playthrough, um, you ended up with Bethany instead, which is by far the superior option. Um, what was your relationship with Bethany like? Um, it was it, it was all right. We were, we were mates. Um, we I found Bethany a little bit vanilla. I found her um, sort of uninteresting. <laughs> it's she's just sort of oh hello, I'm your sister. Um, great, well done. She's a little bit of a cipher. Yeah, she was. A little bit, um, a little bit of a blank canvas. Um, maybe she's guarded. She she seems much more like a sounding board to me than anything. Where it's like you're throwing things up against, or like the story. It's not even you. It's like the story is throwing up uh, uh, situations up against her, and you, she's like, "This is how a mage would respond." I think Vanilla and Plain is a little bit too harsh, um, but I would say that she could that she could have used a little bit more flavor up front in the first act um she she gets that and she grows and she does there's character development throughout the throughout the game and in act two and three she changes depending on your choices and all that all that good stuff so i i don't i certainly don't want to say that she's a bad character and that they don't do anything with her they do i think that they they handle her pretty decently but up front i do wish that there was a little bit more to her she's yeah she is she's the token mage almost at the start she is the way that you learn about the mage conflict ready for the rest of the game um, and it prepares you and you sympathize for her and um, and you I, I was absolutely livid when the uh, when, when they took her away um, at the end of act one but oh. there's not there's not too much there it's I found, I found my other companions more engaging I was absolutely thrilled that they are going to take Carver away from me. <laughs> I didn't want to deal with this little shit anymore. 
it is interesting to me that neither of you took your sibling with you into into the deep roads. I did. Okay. And great wardens took him away from me, and that was a fucking blessing. And now Alistair had to deal with him. Um, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Alistair. So the the way it can go is that you either if you leave your your sibling back. Um, back home, and you don't take them with the deep, onto the deep roads. Um, they'll be taken away. Uh, Bethany to the circle, Carver to the Templars. Um, if you take your sibling with you to the deep roads, and you have Anders, they'll get whatever corrupted by the taint and be taken away to the wardens. If you take them with you to the deep roads and don't have Anders with you, they die forever, and you don't have any siblings anymore. So for my first playthrough, I took them along with me because. While some people might say, so your your beg your mother begs you not to not to let the, not to let you uh, take them uh, to the deep roads, and I'm like, clearly they want the game wants me to leave them here, so I'm not going to leave them here. How can I how can I do the thing the game doesn't want me to do? Because uh, kind of because I wanted to see where it would go, kind of see what it would do. Um, I did have Anders with me because I'm I'm very much a uh, fan of having a healer with me to uh, take care kind of, to take care of stuff without me having to to think about it. Like yeah, heal people heal people up so I don't have to fucking deal with it. Um, and so my my Beth, Bethany my my character got got taken away to the wardens, which I I kind of thought was a, a really interesting thing, um, be, because it's it's so. Because it kind of ties into the first game, because it, it makes your character uh, more attuned to the wardens, which were a huge force in the first game. So I kind of like that. But in retrospect, the better fate for Bethany is definitely taking her to the circle, because the circle isn't a death sentence. A circle isn't like she at any point she can like essentially leave the circle or whatever. Um, be, especially once the war goes on, you know, it takes place. Um, so you can kind of go do whatever. Where if you turn your sibling into a Grey Warden, 30 years from now, she's going to fucking die. Like, no matter what. Um, there's no out. You can't un- you can't un-Grey Warden yourself. As much as Anders would have you believe that you can un- un-Grey Warden yourself, there's no, there's no removing yourself from the Grey Wardens. You're still tainted or whatever. Um, so that's a, that's a little bit of a, of a bummer. Uh, Fenris, uh, Rob, how, what, what are your thoughts on Fenris? Um, it was adversarial, but I think there was a sort of, I think he respected me begrudgingly as a leader. Um, and I respect him as a mercenary and as someone who was prepared, um, to follow someone who he believed in even if he didn't believe everything I was doing was right so there's sort of a begrudging respect going on and he was useful it's like as just as Lothlin did I quite often partnered him up with Aveline and just had him as an absolute whirlwind of death uh, floating about I also understood why he had his opinions as much as I disagree but but what about what about about the fact that he's like he's kind of a hypocrite a hypocrite in that he's uh, super against slavery. He's super against uh, like mistreating of people. But then, if if that person is a mage, fuck him. Yeah, I mean, he he doesn't he doesn't see that as hypocrisy. But I suppose no hypocrite ever does. Um, I think we're all hypocrites in our own way. That is his. 
Um, that's a pretty bad. It's a pretty. It's not. It's not a hypocrite. As in, I. I think that smooth peanut butter is great, except for peanut butter sandwiches. That's that's a, a minor, tiny little hypocrisy. It's this is a major like. Yeah, we should kill this mage, or like yes, we should ruin this mage's life. That's a. It's a pretty. It's a pretty big thing. It is, but it's. I think it's fear rather than hatred. I mean, it's hatred motivated by fear, I suppose. It's. I mean, I disagree with him. I completely disagree with him. I don't expect everyone to be like me, and I think it's good that someone that that he he is absolutely the person who challenges me, and he he only makes my belief stronger. He makes me go, well, no, actually, the mage the mage will live. It's it's good to have that perspective because it, it it tells you more about yourself than someone who just agrees with you all the time. I would say it would be more interesting if he was rational about it. If he was rational about about mages and like w- was arguing for and fighting for more control over like circles and 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 doing all that, like that would make more sense and make you make you kind of actually question like, am I doing the right thing? Like if you're pro, if you're pro mage, make you question, am I doing the right thing by fighting for freedom for mages or whatever? Um, but instead, he's he's very childish about the mage thing we're like and i i i I, slavery is bad you guys um (laughs) so i get it he's very upset about the defender mages and all that stuff but instead of being like we need to control mages because of blah 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 blah, he's just fuck mages like that that is his platform is fuck mages mages they they should we should probably just kill them like that's that's kind of how he feels is that like if there's a mage doing stuff fuck them but he actually has a reason for wanting all mages dead Yes, but it's like phil- kind of philosophically repugnant. But it's I don't, I don't laud it or applaud it or encourage it, but I understand his visceral dislike of mages. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting. I think it's a firework in the game, and I think it makes the roster of game characters a lot more interesting, even if I don't necessarily like his opinions. He looks rad. Yeah, yeah, badass design. So, what do you think, Waffen? What, what are your what are your what was your relationship like with Fenris? I shagged him. Really? <laughs> so you, you, did you, did yeah. you did you hate fuck him? No, actually, I I be, befriended him, and I don't I have no idea how I managed it. But my canon uh was in romance with him, friendship romance, and not rivalry romance. Really? But were you but were you pro mage? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> how is that even possible? I was just taking him. I was taking him on uh, the the quest that I could get uh, friendship with him. <laughs> You're metagaming. Uh, yeah, pretty much like like I was used to doing with uh, Morrigan in uh, Origins. Oh. Is shit exploding in Poland? Are you being invaded by Russia? Uh, no, actually, Poland I think scored a goal. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> a football game. Sorry. I am surprised that 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 it is even possible to do without like modding your game that you can be pro mage and then be in a friendship with with uh, Fenris. No, I seriously, I just took him on all the relevant quests that uh, I could be, you know, get some get some points with him and uh, and not lose any. So he was staying at home. So I guess they're they're dealing with that and like and kind of fixing that in Dragon Age Inquisition, where it isn't just who's with you and what do they hear you say. Accumulation of your decisions and your actions will impact whether or not people are friends or or not friends with you in Dragon Age Inquisition. So I guess what oh, I'm it's saying going it, it's going to be it's going to be more difficult to game the system. Yeah. 
But I guess you can always mod it, so fuck it. Eh, well, you know. <laughs> Rob, Isabella, what was your what's your relationship like with Isabella? We 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 got on very well. A gentleman oh. doesn't tell, and uh-huh. nor, nor does nor does Ivy Hawk. But yeah, we we were good pals. <laughs> we were gal pals. Uh-huh. We were. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, we, we were going through. <laughs> That's okay. I understand. Uh, I I like Isabella a lot. I think she's good. Um, but for me, it's she almost um reflected my character too much in the sort of slightly impulsive, similar outlook, a little bit impatient, but basically open-minded, skeptical of authority. It, she had a lot of the same traits that my character did, and she was a rogue as well. So I very rarely took her on missions. Um, but but I was sure to explore all of the. Uh, I suppose how fortunate that she was so crucial to Act Two, and um, I spent quite a long time exploring her um, <laughs> throughout the plot. Um, so yeah, it's I, I thought she worked well as a character, and I like that she's a character that you didn't necessarily have to have in your party all the time, in order to uh, get interest and get that storyline and get quite a checkered and layered storyline out of. Um, yeah, I thought she was a triumph of a character. Very good. Fantastic. I, I, I enjoy her wholeheartedly. What about you, Lachlan? What are your thoughts on Isabella? What was your relationship like, Isabella? I absolutely love Isabella. She's fantastic. I especially like that she has her own uh, storyline that she that is separate from yours a little bit and only cross at times. And I think that's that's absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, I managed to keep her, and my, my uh, she's my second favorite romance option as well. I absolutely adore her, and she's usually a constant in my party because when I don't take her with me, I take uh, I take Fenris, and you know they switch. She has the best lines in in the game. I really I really think she has, she has the like the funniest, cleverest like party banter. It's it's all the best Very stuff. Her. In, in team, pairing her with uh, Varric is uh, absolutely awesome. Pairing her with Meryl is great. Well, yeah, but um, I don't actually use Meryl that much. But the the best thing is when you have, um, when you married, uh, like I said, I'm going to mention it, when you married uh, Evelyn off, and uh, Varric and <laughs> Isabella are uh, in your party, together with Evelyn, and uh, <laughs> Very gets uh, his hands on some friend fiction that Isabella wrote about uh, Evelyn and uh, Donick, <laughs> and uh, they they read it together, and it's it's uh, it's smart. It's erotic fan fiction, basically. Mm-hmm. Erotic friend fiction. If you're if you're if you're a Bob's Burgers fan, Evelyn just sort of, what the hell are you doing, guys? Yes. What was this smart? And and she said that oh it's it's called friend fiction it's a show oh, it's it's a way to show how I appreciate you <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant the, the, together with Mary they are absolutely awesome uh, specifically also I like that this is that it is she is an empowered character and also an, like empowered sexually uh, her sexuality in that she is very clearly non monogamous. And like that, like th- like this is like I am non-monogamous. I this is how I am. Hey, I like I can fall in love. She like she falls in love. If, if you romance her, she'll fall in love. And blah blah blah. But like, hey, I am non-monogamous. 
It's how I am. This is this is what it, this is what it's going to be like if you're in a relationship with Isabella, and I like that. I like having a an an empowered and and not not just empowered like in general like she can take a charge, but like empowered in a specific uh, way in a very in a very very detailed like this is how this is the way I choose to live my life, and if you want to be you know in a relationship with me, this is how it is, and I like that. I I dig that a lot. I also like the fact that. Um, if you don't romance either uh, Isabella or Fenris, then they start to shag off screen. Yes, very much, very much like Tally and Garrus. Yeah, and, and that's really nice. But but I usually got jealous of either of them because I most of the time I, I can't decide because it's either Isabella or uh, Fenris for me. So you should join them. That should be an yeah, option. Well, yeah, there there is no option like that. There was one in Dragon Age, you know, Origins. You can have the threesome with uh, Isabella and uh, with uh, uh, Jesus uh, and with Alistair and and Liliana and Zevron and Zevron. Yes. Well, if you're listening, modern community, get get to work. You can have a th- you can you can have a threesome in Dragon Age Two with Isabella and Zevron. By the way. Oh, oh yeah, thirties. Meryl, what, what, what's your relationship like with Meryl, the blood mage? Um, she's. I suppose I didn't end up using her much because I always had Anders in my party, um, mm. and he was already providing all of the all of my magic needs. So um, I didn't end up engaging with her much. I like I like the concept. I like the idea of um, of Gwen from Torchwood becoming a stunning, happy-go-lucky uh, mage who is ensconced in some seriously dark shit but um i suppose there wasn't enough there for me to justify for me to find excuses to put her in my party um it's i like her i like her um as a concept and one playthrough i am sure not too long from now i will make sure that i've got a spot for her to find out exactly what makes her tick uh, but as it stands she's a little bit of a stranger to me Mm. What about you, Laughlin? What, what what was your relationship like with Meryl? I I adore Meryl uh, on her own character, but uh, she's she's pretty much useless to me in a party. But I I think she's absolutely sweet and adorable. I didn't like her uh, story arc much because she she's fucking obsessed. Yeah. So Rob, you probably don't even, you probably don't know this because you didn't play too too much of Dragon Age Origins. Meryl is actually a character from Dragon Age Origins. She is a she is a character in the uh, Dalish origin, the Dalish elf origin of of Dragon Age Origins, and you see she is part of of the storyline where um, the you as the player character um, find an alluvian and shit bad shit happens and the alluvian breaks, and so. The her kind of her story arc in Dragon Age Two is a continuation from this very small part of Dragon Age Origins, um, which m- I probably most people don't even know, and like unless you specifically played that origin um, in Dragon Age Origins, you probably would have never even met Meryl before. You probably wouldn't even know that this is like a continuation of that. Um, so I think that's interesting, and it's it's interesting because it works without that as well. Is that you can kind of tell Meryl's whole story without knowing the original stuff. 
Um, I think that works pretty well. I also like the juxtaposition of someone who's relatively naive uh, about just like the world. She's 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 not she's cheery and she she's not jaded. Um, and but also taking that and comparing it, juxtaposing it against somebody who is dealing with blood magic and demons on a regular basis and also probably has one of the healthiest outlooks of, of that mages have with demons where she's like look i she I, I i this is i am doing this specific deal with a demon for this specific reason demons can't be trusted i don't trust them i'm not thinking this this demon is doing it for funsies or whatever she's like i i know the risks I know that this demon is after whatever my mortal soul and trying to get into the real world and all that stuff. She's like, I know all of that. I'm doing it anyway because I think it's worth it. Um, and I think that's interesting. And the, her relationship with the keeper and um, is is good. And I and the way it ends is interesting and sad. And I, it does some pretty cool stuff. And. I think makes her character more interesting either when you, you either have to destroy her clan or basically she's, she's basically like excommunicated for all intents and purposes. Like they're not interested in her, yeah, in her being around. dealing with demons. Right. Um, and I think that makes her character even more interesting because, because all of her sacrifices, like all of this stuff has been specifically for her clan and like for for the Dalish in on the whole, and like learning more about it, um, and and kind of retain like finding their history again, and so it's a, it's like this ultimate tragedy, right? Is that she's doing all this stuff for them, and then she either has to destroy them or never talk to them again. Yeah, and that's very sad. But uh, she's still pretty pretty awesome as a character, like dark magic pixie mm-hmm. dream girl. Really? Sure. It's cool. It's 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 a it's a very good character. I I know a lot of there are people who dislike Meryl, but they're monsters. Meryl's great. Rob Varric, what do you think? What was your relationship like with Varric? Varric's cool. Varric's um, I I like that it's a platonic friendship that you've got, and there is a sense that he's always got your back, and um, he he feels like a true companion throughout the entire game. Um, pretty unflinchingly loyal. It's I I suspect that I mean there are ways to. Um, earn his disapproval as there are with anyone, but he's generally really? um, he's generally in favour of having a fair sh- giving everyone a fair shout. And um, yeah, I felt like he was a he was generally a good bloke. Um, and he's everything a, a solid, dependable companion should be. I would have said. No, but I'm asking. I've never seen Varric disagree with me ever. I've never seen rivalry plus Varric. Never, ever, ever, no matter what I did. You can do it. You can, you can be his rival. I, I have no idea how. I, I'm sure he... The most recent time that I remember, um, I remember going, oh, he didn't like that, was um, I think I risked an innocent's life in order to kill who I perceived to be a wrongdoer. So I suspect oh. it's he's got a very... A very... Um, Powerful sense of justice, and not not in the same way, not in and this. He's just got a sense of, he's got a moral compass. Um, so here's from the here's here's from the Wikia page. Uh, to earn rivalry with Varric, choose aggressive responses that glorify violence in combat and show a lack of interest in his stories, his friendship, and your place in Kirkwall. 
Oh, I see. So basically, not my character at all, ever. So yeah, no wonder I've never seen him disagree with me. With Dragon Age 2, I wasn't following it strongly uh, before it came out. So when I played it, I didn't really know much, if anything, about Varric. And when I saw him, um, I initially thought he was going to be something of a shyster. Um, because I was trying to deal with his brother, I was trying to do all this stuff. And he comes in and he's like, hey, do you, like, you want to, like, I can help you solve your problems. And I'm like, I distrust you, motherfucker. I don't think that you're, he's also a dwarf without a beard. That made me distrust him. <laughs> I initially distrusted him. I thought he was going to be a sleazebag. But I was proven pretty immediately wrong, and that Varric is one of your strongest allies, and, and, and an amazing character, um, does a lot of really fascinating stuff, and, and, and he's, you know, he, he essentially serves as, like, the, the capper of the story. Funnily, I am looking at the wiki here right now, and it says, uh, the fourth point down in trivia is Varric was originally written as a sleazy and untrustworthy character. Later, the writers wanted to add a companion who would stand up for court with all the opposing personalities in the party, and Varric eased into the place. So maybe the character design was, they gave him the design that they thought would be a little bit slick, a little bit wheeler-dealer, and uh, they, they changed his personality um, as it continues. So it seems like you're picking up on something that genuinely was in the game there. So it isn't even just his appearance. His, his appearance is, is certainly jarring at first because he doesn't have a beard and that's weird. He's very flamboyant. It certainly was a like a, a, a tip-off of like something's weird. Something's weird here. Um, but also even just the way, kind of the way he introduces himself, like, hey, I was watching you interact with my brother. Like, I, I was here in the corner sneaking around doing stuff. Um, that made me distrust him initially. That didn't last long. Um, I I wasn't distrustful of him for for more than a, more than like a couple of more than two or three missions. He's got a sort of Del Boy kind of oh he's flicking the coin in the corner kind of vibe to him um, initially. But yeah yeah I, I I see what you mean. I think that I think that is there. I think he's built to surprise you in that way. Yeah. What about you, Lachlan? Overall, with Varric, did you come to like really a, to to really um, appreciate him as one of the, the the best characters, or was your appreciation more just um, like in general thinking that he was a a fun person to have around? I absolutely love Varric. Seriously, he's he's fantastic. I absolutely adore him as a character and his personality. And um, I think that uh, what they did with um, his his character, how, how all the dwarf kind of uh, tropes associated with you know tropes. Associated with dwarves, how they are turned on on their heads with Varric, because he he's completely not the dwarf that you expect. He he has no beard. He doesn't give a shit, like you said, about the dwarven traditions. He was born on the surface. On the other hand, I absolutely like uh, the the fact that he he he's like this quintessential uh, bard from from Dungeons and Dragons, and not the bard that they presented in uh, Origins with Valiana. She, she was supposed to be a bard, but what it turns out to be was that she she was basically an uh, assassin and a spawn. Right. And uh, in the D and D, bards are the, these storytellers, and um, but like in Dragon in Dragon Age, bard has the specific meaning of like this Orlesian spy class essentially. So yeah. like like but so he's he's more of a traditional bard, not a, not a Dragon Age bard. Yeah, and um. Actually, I'm very fond of uh, bards and dwarves as well. I'm usually I play a, an elf, but uh, I love dwarves. So, uh, and I actually had a 
dwarven bard, and she was actually pretty uh, similar to uh, to what Varric uh, was, and I absolutely loved that. It was so familiar, and on the other hand, so fresh. So the final character is actually a DLC character, and that's Sebastian Vale. Rob, I know that you are you have a, a love hate, mostly hate relationship with DLC. And uh, I'm I'm curious if you actually even played the game with Sebastian in it. I don't hate DLC, but but I did. Um, I, I I think love DLC. But I guess my point being is that like you you seem to be highly skeptical of of the value of some DLC, or, or at least that's the way it, it has come off to me in the past. You're not going to jump into a DLC just because it's a part it's a new part of a game that you like. You def- you seem to be more. Uh, more thrifty with your DLC purchases. You definitely want it to be something that you care about before you purchase it. Yeah, okay, yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, accordingly, I have been thrifty on this occasion, and no, I, I've never played with Sebastian. I've never met him. Don't have a clue. To me, he is a crab in the little mermaid. I've... Yeah, you're not missing much. Yeah, it's true. Am I not? He's not really a monster. He's, some, he's a character that I disagree with on pretty much every aspect. He's extraordinarily pro-chantry. Um, he, he also is an archer. I don't use archers almost ever. If I, if I need ranged combat, I almost always use a mage. Um, so I generally don't I, I don't have a use for I don't generally have a use for him. And then also if I already want, if I wanted an archer, I would have fucking Varric. Yeah. So fuck that guy. It's combat, but also like he's very, very pro chantry. Um, anti mage, not as anti mage, not as like not as um, vehemently anti mage as Fenris, but he's still anti mage. Mages need to be controlled. Um, put him in the circle. Let the chantry do what the chantry does. He's kind of insufferable, and he so he's he's a prince of a whatever a collective in part part of the free marches, Starkhaven, and his parents were killed and that's kind of that's against this whole story is that like his his family was killed and he wants to seek vengeance etc etc et um so he is he is this prince character but he's also very very naive in a number of ways because he was raised in the chantry like so he's raised in the chantry and doesn't have a ton of exposure to like the real world and non-idealized versions of things so he is like the chantry is right how could the chantry not be right um, like he is very much locked into this worldview. Let me put it this way: at the end, if you don't, if you choose not to uh, kill uh, Anders, he gets very angry and like basically pledges Starkhaven to hunt down and and like fight Hawk. I I don't like the sound of him. I've taken exception to him already. Yeah, he's no good. What about you, Laughlin? Did you did you play with uh, Sebastian in your party? Or actually, in your game at all, I should say. I I, I had him in, in my game. I've never used him. He was a stuck up whiny little bitch, and I dislike him. Yes. Really, really a lot. I don't think any of us here are are pro chantry. <laughs> For all the reasons that you mentioned. I kind of even wonder if there are players who are who are anti mage like are there are there people who are pro chantry? I'm certain there must be. I suppose if you. Coming up to, if you're starting Dragon Age um, as an outsider, I mean, it, se- it seems obvious when I say it, mm-hmm. so it seems almost not worth saying, but it's, you don't believe in the Chantry, you don't believe in the Maker. That's sure. all something that's presented to you as an adult, it's something that's presented to you after the fact, so you wouldn't believe in their rules, and therefore you wouldn't empathise with their motives, you wouldn't have the same motives them at all. So I suppose they're always on the back foot. But I'm sure there's people who would certainly agree that mages are dangerous, and I'm sure there are those people who would agree that because mages are dangerous, 
um, they shouldn't be allowed to burden society that basically functions with the potential consequences of their magic. Um, so I'm, I suspect there must be, but I, 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 none of us are any of them. I think no, we're all, certainly not. We're, we're all nice people. Yes, yeah, we're yes, we are righteous, self-righteous. So what what to you stands out as something amazing, something great about Dragon Age Two? Something that that stands out far and above other games that you've played in kind of the same genre. I like Bioware because they make games that are different to what's currently available, and I think with Dragon Age Two. That includes their own body of work. It includes it's also different to Dragon Age Origins and it's different to Mass Effect. I like that Kirkwall is it's it's singularly focused on Kirkwall. It's a single city, and that feels it's a city-sized city, which you rarely see in an RPG. Usually, a city is five houses and a mayor, but uh, it's actually full of people and it's full of uh, people who live and breathe. And it's and you see it through time, and you get the progression um, and um, you you continue through it and you see the time skips and you see that not not everything is happening at once. There are hot potatoes that continue and simmer, and you, get, you get a chance to breathe. Those ideas are at least there. I I would argue that they're not executed on uh, universally well, but I can see, definitely see where you're saying like the, like the the ideas there are trying to make it feel like an ever evolving city that that is different frequently. Is that those ideas are there, and and I would love to see them expand on them further. The biggest one is, um, it, as with Dragon Age Origins, the game doesn't presume morality. It's you're, you're only accountable to your companions. The game doesn't sit there judging you and going, "You're a paragon. You're a renegade." It's only your friends who categorise you. But your your interactions with your friends in general are sort of, I would say, greatly improved from Dragon Age Origins. Whereas in Dragon Age Origins, the characters were interesting. The characters were there, but you sort of had two options you could either prod them in the ribs until they start coughing up chunks of backstory or if you carried enough slobbery trinkets back to them in your mouth they would let you fuck them in the bushes sure. um whereas <laughs> with this you get a sense of their lives and you get a sense that they exist um and they are uh, enjoying life in kirk or they have lives aside from um well, aside from the player character, whether that be Hawk or... Um, it's, when Meryl isn't in your party, she's sat at home, she's sweeping, she's got a personality and a character. She has and demons I feel... to deal with? Literal demons? Yeah, yeah, she has demons to deal with. Um, and I think your engagement with the characters is so much more meaningful. And it's this huge revolving door of um, interesting characters, which I suppose is the centre of all Bioware games. But I think they really executed on that better than Dragon Age Origins. And what about you, Lothan? What's something that stands out to you as outstanding amazing in dragon age 2 definitely the characters as a whole how they how they handled it and how they handled the relationships and also and also the, the, the writing of most of the those characters it's great except for fucking sebastian and probably Car as well so. above all something that stands out to me is the friendship and rivalry system. I love that you're not being penalized for for disagreeing with characters. I love that you can have an opinion, like, this is how Hawk is. I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to metagame. I'm not going to try to wiggle around so I can get the most points to all the characters. This is the way my Hawk is acting. Either my characters like it or they dislike it. It doesn't matter. I'm not being penalized I, because like in Dragon Age Origins, you are literally being penalized by not friending people like their stats are worse if you don't 
like work your friendship up. And that's shitty. Rob, what bothered you the most about Dragon Age 2? What's something that you really hated? I think if we're talking from a plot point of view, uh, it's the All That Remains quest with um, with with your zombie mother, spoiler alert, um, was, it's, I, I think it worked. I think that as a story element, um, it absolutely made me feel an emotion and it um, challenged me and it, poke me into a corner and it made me angry on behalf of my player character so it means that i have empathy with the characters and it works it's, it would be absolutely terrible if that happened and i was completely disengaged but at the same time that was a little bit too that made me not want to fire up the game for a couple of days um i just thought of oh, crikey i don't know if i can take this um i suppose more generally it would be um it might be because I played it over a long period of time, but um, I found that a lot of the um, of the less important characters were not interchangeable as such, but they would sort of come up to me halfway through the game. They'd go, hey there, talk, you, talk, you really got me back on the right track a few years ago. And I'm not sure who they are. I rescue <laughs> a lot of idiots. Um, I'd, I'd like it if they had like a name and biography just stapled to their chests um because there, there's a lot of blood mages who become abominations and i i, I don't know who they all are <sighs> that's true and i think i think it's also a problem of their quest system the quest system is that you like you just go out and do stuff and you're like oh hey there's this backpack here i guess i'm gonna pick it up and then you go to town and there's a little dot on your map and you walk up to the, the person and they're like you have my thing thanks so much and you're like <laughs> i didn't i didn't know this was your thing I, I mean, like, I guess, sure, you have, here's a backpack, great. Um, and I I understand why that decision was made, specifically with the restrictions that they had in time and effort and all that stuff. Um, but that also means that your quest seems stupid as hell. It's much along the same lines <laughs> as Shepard overhearing people on the Citadel. And being like coming back and saying, yeah. "Hey, hey, I got, I got your this thing that you wanted," and they're like, "Who, who the fuck, who the fuck are you? Why were you listening to me on the phone? What is going on?" Um, Here, it was kind of handled more delicately in that uh, strolling around the woods or actually usually a cave, you come across this sort of thing, and uh, well, apparently someone is missing it, so you deliver it. And not, you know, eavesdropping on people. But that was kind of dumb. Okay, so what bothers you the most about Dragon Age 2? Yeah. It was basically one dungeon over and over... No, two, two dungeons. Over and over again with different uh, exits or passages kind of shut, down, shut off. And it was fucking stupid and I, I mean i get it they try to release the game as soon as possible and they decided to do that and that was just so tedious to blow through all those dungeons and they all look the same and i completely lost track at times uh, which quest am i doing uh and also i uh look, people complained a lot that dragon age origins was brown Mm-hmm. It's well, pretty brown. And then Dragon Age, Dragon Age 2 came out, and it was fucking so brown. So brown. Kirkwall is brown. Everything is brown. and I would say it's probably more gray than it brown, but it's bad either way. 
Okay, fine, it's beige. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. But so so here's the thing. People talk about a lot about the the, uh, the the kind of they changed the art style, but not drastically. Like it's basically like they changed they twisted the proportions a bit on the dwarves and the elves to make them stand out more. Like the, I would say that's the biggest change in art style. Yeah, I, I was bothered about this uh, with the elves because uh, this this is not how my gray warden looked like, and I was pissed off. Because I can have my Grey Warden looking like this, can I? But at the same time, I would rather them. I would rather them retcon stuff to make it better, to make it more interesting. So, like the, for example, like the the Canari, where the Canari are just like the most boring. Like it's a big human in in Dragon Age Origins, where now they look big. big they're like they're substantially different now in Dragon Age Two. Um, I think that's great. I, I, so even though even though it's retconning, even though it's really poorly explained, um, and like the most half-heartedly explained, um, because the, because the way they retcon it is they're saying like, oh, but it's Stan didn't have it because he's a special, it's a rare breed of of them. But then also there are there are Canari mercenaries in Dragon Age Origins who also don't have horns. And they're like, oh, don't worry about that. Don't you forget. It's fine. Forget about it. Um, yeah, that's dumb. That's dumb and terrible. But I'd rather have it this way because now Canari look rad instead of boring. I mean, I, I was just a little angry about this, this change in style. But uh, but then again, I also recognize it as better than it was. The thing that bothered me the most, probably, um, the ending. Not not the de- not the total decision. So, like, it, I think that they could have the same plot points, and it would be fine. But the way it was so abrupt, and the way that stuff was handled, the way that Orsino has to has to um, turn bad no matter what, the way that it's handled is probably the low point for me. The way that it feels very rushed. Um, the ending feels very fast. They get the, they, they have to compress a whole bunch of stuff. Um, that all seems like a product of the rushed development cycle. And like, we, we have to get this done. We have to do it. Like, we need to do it now. So I think that they could have had the exact same ending with the exact same plot point and left the, the left Kirkwall the exact same way that they left it at the end of the game in a much more elegant way. And I think, Rob, we, we, we're kind of feel differently about the ending. But how do you think what how do you feel about that specific interpretation that you could leave it the same, but do it more elegantly? Do you agree or disagree? Um, I think I think everything life is a work in progress and everything can always be done better. Um so I, I would by no means say that the ending is perfect, but I think um I I didn't notice um the production time scale. I didn't think it seemed tasty to me. Um I again I'm sure that as I say, there's all there's always more more you can add and there's always more you can do and there'll always be that little line that clangs a bit and another character element that could have been honed. Um, but I, I was very happy with what we got. I, th- I thought Orsino, Orsino made sense to me um, that he would be. Of course, he would turn into an abomination. He doesn't know. He doesn't know he's in a video game. He doesn't know that Hawk is definitely going to win. I suppose it did look desperate. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's it's very much been foreshadowed that um, shit gets real. Um, and I, I wouldn't have had faith in Kirkwall to sort itself out either. I think if I were Orsino, I'd have made the same decision. 
I also think that turning every every fucking mage into a into a abomination is kind of a lazy way to go about it. Being like, oh, they were right. Oh God. Oh God, it was crap. I'm sorry. It, it, it was it was terrible. I mean, there were many more better ways to make us uh, realize that shit is really fucking crazy in the circle, right? And. And they sort of did with people trying to run away from it, but they still were abominations, you know. Just, but you're right about the the ending, how it was rushed. Because um, when I got to the ending, I sort of felt like they they realized, oh shit, we're nearing on the thirty hours uh, thirty hours game time right now, so we better end this fast, or people will start, you know, losing focus or something. I mean, come on. Dragon Age Origins was uh, 60 hours to 70. Yeah, it was long, but it was interesting all the time. And it was really good. And here, they shortened it by half, and they made the ending kind of... Well, uh, I also wanted to uh, say something about the general structure of the story. Uh, you know, chopped is like an act here, an act there, you know, the three acts, and uh, it just feels like uh, between those, it, it's like, I, th- I think it's uh, two two years between either of the acts, or something like that. It's something happens, and you, and you do stuff, and then you sit on your bum for the next, I don't know, year or two, whatever, and nothing happens at all. So, Rob, was there something in Dragon Age 2 that you absolutely want to see carried through to Dragon Age Inquisition? Certainly, um, the, the improvements to combat, I think certainly, well, the consolification of combat um, and the immediacy of combat. Um, I, I like that they've no. reinstated the option of overhead combat, and I think that was the correct move, so they've, they've PCified it, but I like, I like that they're keeping the, um, the console option and the console version, and... Um, hopefully making it robuster and quicker, and uh, as they did, continuing that good work. Dragon Age 2 ticks most of my Dragon Age 2 boxes. Um, it's There are a lot of things that they did, which is... I, I, I quite liked the way it was segmented. I liked that the, the implication that there is a normal year in Kirkwall, but I wouldn't want them to repeat it. I, I, I like that they're going down a completely different avenue. Um, I suppose, certainly the friendship and rivalry meter, as you've mentioned, that that is... That's a fantastic way that it doesn't that it doesn't lock you out of content and the sophisticated, um, the, the sophisticated relationships with your companions, and the moral ambiguity. But um, the, there's no the things that are Dragon Age I want to continue, and the things that are Bioware I want them to keep on improving and innovating and coming up with new ways to do so. So you're saying the dialogue wheel? The dialogue wheel, yes. The sarcastic dialogue wheel in particular was a very good addition. Although, I, I would say um, that I, I would like slightly less plummy voice acting for a couple of those, um, for a couple of the sarcastic ones. It's, I, I'd occasionally oh, yeah. press the uh, press the epic burn button and think, right, let's let's unleash the fury on this one. Sort of go, oh, I rather hope your tongue is sharper than your blades are. <laughs> and I go, oh, she's she's not with me. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Yeah. So what about what about what about bad? What do you what do you really hope that they have learned their lesson and won't repeat in Dragon Age Inquisition? Repeated landscapes is an obvious one, but it is a clanger. That was that was unfortunate. I think of all of the things to deprioritize, level design was one of them. It would be terrible to play a game with gorgeous level design and rubbish characters. Um, but that was nonetheless that 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 stank out loud. 
Oh, it's hard. It's hard. There's there's not much that I there's not much that I disliked. I thought that Dragon Age Two improved. I mean, I found it engaged me a lot more than Dragon Age Origins in more or less every respect. I combat is um, I know I know it's it's the the type of enemies. It's I found that with Dragon Age Two the enemies were um, they were numerous. Um, and they weren't very good. It was just like wave after wave after wave. And their their plan seemed to be to exhaust you rather than to challenge you. So I would like fewer enemies of a better quality in the next game. That's certainly a, a huge criticism that many people um, put against it, it, Dragon Age 2 is that it's, it's hard to use strategy when you have no way of telling uh, or kind of even no way of gauging at all how many people are going or how many enemies are going to be appearing because you'll finish out a room and it's like surprise there are more they appeared out of nowhere oh god this was so fucking annoying yeah i never ever ever want to see this again yeah it's yeah combat i think became a test of endurance and i think it became a test of oh how long will it be before hero charges and it's, it it didn't quite sit right for me it's it it's getting bullshit. there but... it was bullshit what about you Lachlan what's something that you absolutely want to see from Dragon Age 2 make its way into Dragon Age Inquisition naming of the quests because I love how they named the quests it was either a pun or a reference to some kind of a song or a book or something and it was brilliant I love that the level design and the combat design, are those the things that you really, really don't want to see uh, travel forward? I love the combat in Dragon Age Origins. I hated it in the second one because of the surprise thing. I It, it, it was so frustrating. You know, it's just, oh, come on. They, they were literally parachuting behind you and popping up. You could turn around after finishing the wave and seeing them pop into existence it was ridiculous they do a little bit they do a little bit of it in in origins in that in that like sometimes there are doors that are like cracked open and you can actually see them just spawn like they're just spawning more characters like th- they're spawning dark spawn to to come at you they do add a little bit in origins but but it, it's not it's not commonplace it's not every it's not every single time it's only in a handful of situations so but they did that a ton in dragon age 2 and i can totally see why that bums people out because it, it it kind of makes like using tactics and strategy much more harder to do because how can you 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 can't like scout ahead and see hey how many people am i dealing with because fuck if you know how many people you're going to be dealing with so the the uh, the, the only thing left that, that we have really to talk about is the the dlcs rob did you end up playing legacy or mark of the assassin uh not 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 yet it's, it's on my to-do list uh, okay, Laughlin. Did I assume you played both Legacy and Mark of the Assassin? Yep. Which one did you prefer? Mark of the Assassin. I would agree with you. I think it was well made and good DLC altogether. It it was much longer than Legacy as well, and uh, had this additional character and the actress of who was played by someone I'm very very fond of and a fan. So it was great. I think. And uh, also the, the, the plot was most of the time entertaining and well, Legacy was just basically a dungeon crawl. Well, some people prefer Legacy over Mark of the Assassin specifically because it has lore stuff. It has lore about like Darkspawn and, and how that worked. And it also has some lore about um, Malcolm a Hawk. So it kind of gives you a bigger explanation about 
about Darkspawn and, and the Dragon Age universe, and then also, like, in character-wise, like, you and your sibling um, kind of get a revelation about that stuff. But, I, so I think, I understand why people like it for that, but as far as, like, the actual part where you play it, I think it's it's inferior to to Mark of the Assassin. It feels much more um, varied in that you, there's a bunch of different stuff that you have to do. There's a stealth part. It's okay. It's not great because because the game it it's not really designed for, to be a stealth game. There are stealth elements. There are there are there are parts where you can stealth, but like fundamentally, Dragon Age Two is not a stealth game. So the part where it turns into a stealth game is a little weird. Other than that, I would say Mark of the Assassin is great. Would you would you recommend that anybody who played Dragon Age Two should buy both or one or neither? Uh, Mark of the Assassin definitely because, uh, like I said, it was just fun and it was so varied. You had uh, pretty much everything in this little DLC. You had your, like you said, some stealth, and then you had some puzzle solving. Puzzles. You had puzzles, and uh, all the dialogues were fun. None of the uh, actual set uh, play fields actually were copy pasted from from the previous. It was all original, and it was really nice. Uh, whereas Legacy, uh, nah, not really, it's not worth it, the, the gear is uh, not really that good, and uh, if you want to know about lore, just read it on Wikipedia. I would, I would say that be- specifically because Legacy is pretty short, I would say Legacy is between an hour and a half and two hours, specifically because it's, it's a pretty uh, digestible chunk it's probably worth playing. It might not be worth the whatever the cost. Um, I don't know what what, the, what it's currently on sale for. Um, it's, it's pretty old, so hopefully that shit's on has been decreased in price. But I guess knowing like the Xbox Live Store and EA and and PlayStation, probably not. It's probably still full price all the time because that's how those fuckers work. But I would say it's worth playing, um, specifically because it's not a huge investment in time, and that you you get a fair bit in in a in a tiny little package. But I would say I, I would agree with you that that Mark of the Assassin is kind of a must play, and then Legacy is is a is a fun little bit that that you, you if you want more dragon age that's a way to get more dragon age um and it, it's 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 good it's good not great whereas i think mark of the assassin is great and and definitely worth playing uh rob what about you so do you do you think that you'll end up playing both of them before uh, dragon age inquisition comes out or do you just not care that much um i i, I won't make promises that i can't keep um i I certainly could play them. I, cer- I I don't expect I'll play Legacy by the sounds of things. It's, it's not received a glowing review on here. Nugcast, the online home of Dragon Age in your ears. Mark of the Assassin sounds intriguing and different and a change of pace. And I did enjoy Dragon Age 2 and more Dragon Age 2 is only a good thing. But I mean, I really like Mass Effect 2 and I've still not played Overlord. So Oh, Overlord is so good. So I'm told. Well, Mark of the Assassin then has to get in line. Um, so that about wraps everything up. Uh, let's do some plugging. Rob, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I am on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Rob D. Webster, no spaces, so that's twitter.com forward slash Rob D. Webster. Welcome to my Twitter, Zoe. And Laughlin, where can people find you on the internet? Um, Tumblr. It's com. If you're interested in finding out more all about our podcast, you can head on over to dragonage.quadcast.net. So, for the first episode of Nugcast, I'm Grant Bruner. That's Rob. That's Laughlin. Have a good one. <laughs>